we began our 21 days of prayer and fasting last Sunday. How many of you have joined us on the, the 21 days of prayer and fasting? Awesome, awesome. I hope you're doing well. If you had some struggles this week, that's very common. Perhaps you started out strong, but as the week went on, it's kind of tailed off. It's the beginning of a new week. It's time to jump back on. You can do it. Don't give up. I believe that every time you take a step in faith, I believe God honors it. I believe God responds. And so if, you, if you've been struggling this week, jump back on. If you're looking for resources, please go to our website. If you need more resources, feel free to email me, wade at emergechurch.com. And I will try to respond to you as soon as possible to help you get some more resources. Thank you to everyone who came out to pray with us on Wednesday night. We were up at Every Nation Church and uh, just a great time of worship and prayer. And I want to encourage you to come out. In fact, I would make it a goal for yourself personally that during these 21 days of prayer and fasting that you're going to make your schedule work so that you can get to those times of prayer and fasting. And also, I would say this, if you started out your fast and perhaps you feel like you're making some progress, I would challenge you this week to take it a step further. Take it a step further. A lot of times when we fast, we fast things that we don't like. <laughs> but this week, include some things that you do like. Because now we're really laying some things down. And remember, we're laying some things down because we want to really, really have some focus and time with the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to do that. There were also some words from the Lord already given, and we share those at prayer night. And I'm waiting until after this 21 days of prayer and fasting is over to share them. If you were not there uh, Wednesday night, I apologize. You'll have to wait until... Uh, the end of the uh, fast to hear them and so those who were there you got privy to some good stuff and so today I want to carry on with our message series as we kick off this this sermon today in Mark chapter 8 verse 22 through 26 which is the context um, that I really felt like the Lord put on our heart to 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 hold this time of prayer and fasting and I want to read it to you even though we read it last week I want to read it to you again this morning because I'm going to approach it from a different angle today that I really believe is going to minister to your hearts. Um, so verse, chapter 8 of Mark, verse 22, it says, When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? And the man looked around, Yes. He said, I, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. And his eyes were open. And his sight was completely restored. And he could see everything clearly. And Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. Today I want to talk to you about having focus for your faith focusing your faith we're going to use this story today as our as our setup to talk about focusing your faith so let's pray father today as we're sitting in this room i pray for every person that is gathered here today that it won't feel like we're sitting in an auditorium at an elementary school but it will be as though we're sitting at the table with you 
And Father, I pray that you will feed us today. I pray that your word, Father, will feed us and satisfy us. I pray that we will taste and see that you are good. And I pray that our faith today will be focused on who you really are instead of what we really want. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you today to do the work that no preacher could ever do. I ask you to draw hearts. I ask you today, God, to change the way we think so that we could see you and live the life that you intended for us. So today, Lord, every barrier, every hindrance that would try to come against us from experience in you, I pray it will be broken, it will be stopped, and I pray, God, that your word will produce fruit in our lives today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. So let's recap last week a little bit. We talked about having focus for the new year, focus. And um, what are we focused on and how do we find focus? And one of the big statements that we made in the message is that oftentimes we try to focus on things for God instead of focusing on God for things. So a lot of times we put these things as high priorities, things such as our family, things such as our health, and different things that are very important to us. And we put so much focus on those things that other parts of our life begin to come out of balance. And as a result, because it's out of balance, we lose our focus on God and things begin to fall apart, except for that one area that we're focused on. So we approached it from the ankle of what if we put our focus on the Lord so that he can help us find focus for our family. So he can help us find focus for our health. So we can, he can help us find focus for our lives and the things that he has for us. And so three things that we said help us find focus. According to what we read last Sunday in Mark chapter 8. First thing is let Jesus lead. We've got to let Jesus take the lead. A lot of us, we're trying to get up here saying, come on Jesus, come on Jesus. And Jesus is like, that's not the way. This is the way. We're like, no, but I like it this way. And Jesus is like, I know, but there's destruction down there. You should go this way. We've got to let Jesus lead. The second thing is we've got to let Jesus touch us. And this talks about relationship. This talks about closeness. And there's a lot of people that come, they get close, but they stay far enough away because they're uncertain of what God can do. And I will tell you this, that God, he is so good that whenever he touches your life, there are things that break. There are things that change. There are things that you've been struggling with that will end whenever we allow God to truly touch our life. And one of the things that we said is that we need some God encounters. Amen. Not just some God education, but we need some God encounters. And a lot of people are hesitant about God encounters because of rumors they heard, because of experiences they've seen. Somebody sent them a YouTube of a charismatic church going crazy and you just drew the the line saying, I don't want to be that. And here's the good news. In order to encounter God, you do not have to do any of those things. Amen. Amen. But I think God encounters are so necessary. In fact, we're going to be doing a series on God encounters. And my prayer is that you do have a God encounter because there's a lot of people who are circling the mountain, not just for seven days, but seven years, seven decades, and nothing's changing because they're just following a formula instead of experiencing God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just ride around on the hamster wheel for the rest of my life hoping something's going to change. I want to step and walk into the freedom, walk into the blessings, walk into the miracles that God has for me. Amen. So we need some God encounters. And then the last thing we said is we got to let Jesus change us. Can I say this? You're never going to change Jesus' mind. So quit trying. We're praying prayers to try to change his mind. And God's like, my plan is way better than yours anyway. If you would just follow me. 
And we're like, God, let me change your mind. And we do it this way. And God's saying, that is not enough. That it falls so short of what I have for you. And that's why we experience that. That's the frustration I think people are experiencing with God. In fact, that's a lot of the waiting that people are in when it comes to God. We're waiting for God to change. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I wasn't expecting that. So today I want to talk about faith. I believe the most important topic because it is essential to every area of our life. In fact, your salvation hinges on your faith. If you don't have faith, you can't be saved. Oh, but pastor, I've served at the church. It doesn't come through works. Your salvation isn't reward because of the good things that you've done. It's because of what Jesus has done. And by us putting our faith in Christ, we are saved. Amen. And that's fundamental. We've got to make sure we grab that or else we will always try to earn things from God. And you know what? You don't have to earn it. You've got to believe it. There has to be a trust factor. Just, just like between a father and a son, a father and a daughter. If there is trust there, things happen. When there is no trust there, things do not happen. If I can't trust my son, I take his keys. When I trust my son, I put gas in the car for him. And if I'm a good father, the Bible says, how much better is our heavenly father? That's just a preface. So in Mark 8, I'm so impressed with this story. I'm so impressed. And the reason that I'm impressed, first of all, the faith of the blind man, the, the people that brought the blind man to Jesus, I'm impressed by their faith. This was so risky. Because what if they bring the guy who's had this ailment for some time now to Jesus and it doesn't work? Face palm. Am I right? Embarrassment. You put this guy on the scene and make him feel terrible because he didn't want to be embarrassed. And so it's a high risk for them to bring him to Jesus. But still, they believe that if we can just get him to Jesus, that Jesus will heal him. That's the first thing that impresses me. The second thing that impresses me is the faith of the blind man to follow Jesus out of his familiar surroundings. We talked a little bit about that last week. That impresses me so much. And here's the big thing. Most of the time, we have to see it before we believe it. But this blind man couldn't see it. And he still believed. That just blows my mind because we are very visual. You don't believe me? If we turn on all the lights in here, took off all the graphics, and just put plain words on the screen, some of you would struggle with your time with God. You would. Don't look at me like, oh, no, that's just entertainment. That's not entertainment. That is, a, listen, I'm serious. That's a setup for you. But there's a lot of people that if you don't have all that, they don't worship. They just stand there, hands in the pocket, like, oh, yay. That's good. Good song. I don't know all them words, but good song. This man, though, before he could even see it, he already believed. He went believing, and the seeing happened because he believed. And I believe this is so essential as we talk about faith, because even Jesus said something about seeing and believing. He said this in John chapter 20, verse 29. He says, you believe because you have seen me. He's talking to his disciples and all these people that see him in the flesh. You believe because you see me. But then he says, but, I love that, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And guess who those people are? That's us. 
Blessed are those. There's a blessing for those who believe him without seeing him. And if they, the disciples who saw him, participated in miraculous activity, just think about what he's saying, how blessed we are, and we didn't even get to see him in the flesh. See, that needs to be the setup for our faith. But most of the time, that's not the setup. The setup always comes from, well, you know, I'm growing into it. Well, you know, one day we'll see. One day. Hopefully, maybe, I've never seen a miracle. I've never heard God speak to me. These are the different things that people say. And how does that happen? And the hard reality is that happens by faith. And that is the worst answer to hear. By faith. See, I think it's a hard answer because for us to truly believe God, that means we can't just do it ourselves. And there's a lot of DIY in our world. A lot of DIY in our lives. And can I say this? You can't DIY your Christianity. So I want to teach about faith today. I want to take a few minutes because there's a lot of ideas about faith. You hear people say, what is your faith? What is your belief system? When we talk about faith at Emerge Church, I am not talking about faith in any other thing, system, opportunity, idol, religion, denomination, none of that. I am strictly talking about your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's, that's where our faith is. It's in Jesus Christ. Now, you have to know that people believe all sorts of things. There are people who worship animals. Listen, be respectful, but understand that's not truth. Be respectful, but understand that's not truth. And I know people would say, well, in an inclusive world, we need to respect that. And I do respect that. But I choose to believe, and there's a lot of other people, and there's a Bible that has stood the test of history and the test of time, that tells us that God, the Lord God Almighty, Jehovah, His Son, Jesus Christ, is the one and only true God that lives forever. That's it, okay? I'm not looking for a debate. I'm just telling you what we believe. And I'm not trying to argue with other people because a lot of people, they want to argue this and they want to create a collaborative belief system. I am not looking to create a collaborative belief system. I am looking to help people get to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I will sit and have an educational conversation with you all day. And let's talk education. That's fine. But at the end of the day, I want to talk about eternity. Because life is found in Him. Amen? Not in someone else. It's found in Him. And that's who we're going to build our life on. Amen? Don't be mean, but just know what you believe. Okay? There are people who worship statues. I will tell you this. My family was part of a denomination that literally would travel to different places to see a statue. And I remember with my, parent, with my mom specifically being at a certain congregational church and waiting on a statue to shed a tear. Just waiting. To see if it's going to shed a tear. And sit there for hours. I remember it making the news that there was a burn mark on a furnace that looked like the face of Jesus. And people were coming from all over to come and see the face of Jesus that was burnt into the side of the heater. Believing that if they looked at it, it would heal them. It's crazy. And people think we're crazy because we lift our hands in worship. I'm serious, it boggles my mind. Like, I just, watch out for that church. Lift their hands in worship. You want to come with me to go see the, the crying statue? Anyway, I want to get off of that. <laughs> and it's challenging because there is a search for truth. 
trying to find an idea, a philosophy, a teaching, a doctrine to build their life on. Okay? This is what the search is. And I have found that our culture has shifted to building a belief system. Watch this. Building a belief system out of their lives instead of building their lives on their faith. We're taking all the different components of our life and creating a faith system that fits all of our desires, all of the things that we like, all the things that we want to do, and creating our own convictions, our own rules out of our opinions, and all about the circle of friends that we have because we don't want to be offensive. Come on. And because of that, we are losing sight of the truth. And generation after generation, many young people are not serving God because there's a search for truth in relativity, relative to all the things that are around me. And so we are trying to get rid of absolutes to leave room for everybody to do whatever they want. And when everybody does whatever they want, that means sin gets to flourish. And when sin gets to flourish, people get hurt. In fact, a lot of the things you've been hurt by are the result of people's sin. And a lot of things that hurt other people were the result of your sin. And so we have to be aware of these things that slowly but surely we're trying to eliminate standards to accommodate our tastes and our needs. And so we're getting blown around by every wind of doctrine. And we don't even know our own. And so we have even people who would call themselves sons of God, born again believers that don't even believe the Bible. Unless it saves them, unless it benefits them, unless it makes them feel better. Nudge your neighbor and say, hello, happy 2020. <laughs> Rather than seeing God, watch this, seeing God as good. Seeing God, and listen, i got a sermon coming up for you in a few weeks that I, I can't wait to speak this message. But the way that you see God really reflects how you live your life and really reflects how you set your standards and all those different things. And there's a lot of people that see God only as a judge. And as a result, everything is so black and white. And you say, well, I just want to be accepting and all this. And you're not even accepting. It's just a very judgmental mindset. It's all because of how we see God. See, this isn't a debate between people. This is a debate between a person and God. A lot of people won't accept God for who he is. So back in Ephesians 5, it says this. It says that God gave us pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles. Watch this. To build up the church so that we can do the ministry. Watch, and so that we won't be tossed around by every wind of doctrine. He put some people... Some men who were imperfect, by the way. If you think I'm perfect, please, please stop, because I'm not. I ain't going to say nothing. I'm going to let your husband take care of that one. James 1.8. Watch this first. Go ahead and pop that on the screen. James 1.8. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. Here's another word. Unhealthy. See, there's a divide. There's a division. People want unity in the world when they're divided within themselves. We want unity in the church, but there's a division even within our own selves. And the division is between God and the world. 
Meaning we want to fit in with the world, but yet we want all the blessings and benefits of God. And can I tell you that just doesn't work because God calls people out of the world. And guess who those people are? The church. He called us to come out of the world into the light. And when we come out of the world, that's where we're truly living out all that God has for us. Amen. And so let's take a few minutes today to talk about what faith is. Okay. A few things to know about faith. And if you got if you want to jot these down, these are good. First thing about faith. God gave it to you. God gave it to you. Every person. Watch this. In Romans 12, verse three, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has given every person a measure of faith. It's like a seed. Okay, and you have to choose where you're going to plant that seed. And that's the whole thing with free will. God gives you the free will to plant it wherever you want. And there's a lot of people that choose to plant it in God, in the house of God. And there's people that choose to plant it everywhere else. Here's the thing. Wherever you plant it, it is going to bear fruit. That doesn't mean that all that fruit is good. Okay, just because it bears fruit doesn't mean that it is good. So. God gave you faith. It's like a seed. Here's the second thing you need to know. It has potential. That's why we call it a seed. It has potential. And Jesus said this in Matthew 17. If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So you got to hear that. It has potential. That differs from just a belief system. That differs from just what denomination are you? That differs from just, well, what do you believe about this? Whenever I see the kind of faith that God gives us, I feel like there, it, it's more of a verb than it is just a teaching. It's an action. Here's another thing about faith that we need to know. It's foundational and evidence. It's foundation and evidence. Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to how it says it in this version. This is a passion translation. I'm really starting to like this translation, by the way. Now, faith brings our hope into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. The foundation. The foundation needed. Notice it's not just talking about an opinion. It's not talking about what comes out of our lives, but it's talking about what we're building our lives on. You build on a foundation. And what is the foundation that you are building on? It's whatever you put your faith and trust in. There's a lot of people that put their faith and trust in their finances. And that's great as long as the economy is good. But when the economy is good, it's not so great for you because now the winds and the storms come and you don't have anything sure to stand on. Are you grabbing this? Foundation. Watch the next part. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So it's foundational and it's evidence. I still believe God even though I don't see it all. Now, there is a big debate between science and God. And by the way, I believe science can prove God. I believe God can prove science. Seriously. And so look, let's not turn weird that we reject all science, okay? Because you, you, you really need to realize there's some science out there that is good. But we also need to understand that there's some science that is influenced by some money. And there's some science influenced by some politics. And some of you, you don't want to have that conversation. But it's for real. Can I say this? There are churches that are, can I say this? There are churches influenced by money and politics. We don't allow political people to come speak in our pulpit. So if you're thinking of running for office, you're not going to get up here and share your stuff. I'm just sorry. 
Because there might be a whole half of the church that don't even agree with you. That'll work great for church unity. Here's the point. Faith is foundational and it's evidence. See, that means there's some substance to it. This isn't just our opinions. This isn't just a couple college kids sitting in the union philosophizing about how they believe about this and how they believe about that. There is some life proof in it. And it is the proof of God, the evidence of what God is able to do. And just because your circle isn't big enough to know that all that God does doesn't mean that he can't do it. Amen? Like I know people who have never even heard of miracles of God. That's just the circle they're in. But if you see the circles that God has all across this globe, you'll see that there are miracles still happening today. And you say, well, why don't we see miracles? Self-help. Self-help. Here's another thing about faith. Faith is a work order. Faith without works is dead. Faith that doesn't show itself by good works is no faith at all is dead and useless. Meaning this, it does you no good to sit in here and say, I believe God and there is no service in you. It does you no good to say, I trust the Lord with everything in me, if you never, ever put your faith to work. You can know all of the Bible. In fact, can I pop this bubble this morning? I'm proud of you for knowing scripture references. I don't know all of mine. Don't know them, but I believe them. And there's a people that know every single reference and don't even believe what they read. They can teach it to multitudes, but they have never, ever walked in what they have read and what they have studied. And never let anyone in their elite knowledge of the Bible make you feel like you don't have faith in God because you don't know what they know. Amen? And don't ever, listen, don't ever excuse yourself from an opportunity to do something for God because you don't feel like you know enough of your Bible in order to do it. Amen? Because you can learn. I have found people who think they know everything they can't learn. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Another thing about faith is how we're saved. God saved you by his grace when you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Now, all that's good. It's good teaching. But here's some things that you have to realize also. Fear is a form of faith. Okay? And basically... It's believing the worst instead of trusting God. That's what fear is. I've heard it said like this. Some of you are going to think it's cheese. Other of you are going to write it down and use it for the rest of your life. Fear, it's an acronym for false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Here's the thing. What we do with our faith is going to determine the direction of our life. What you do with, the faith, with your faith is going to determine the direction of your family. See, there's a lot of people that are trying to learn new things to make their life better, but they're missing the foundational stuff. Listen, you can decorate your house with whatever, but if your foundation ain't good, someday it's going to fall. And all the stuff you spent your money on that credit card that you ain't paid for yet to decorate that place, you're going to lose it. Like... We've got to make sure that there's a good foundation in our lives. And here's the thing. That foundation can be, it can be passed from generation to generation to generation. And so your children can have a firm foundation for their life. And people are saying, what's going on with this generation? How come generations are getting further and further away from God? It's because we're not building good foundations in our homes. 
and we're allowing schools and we're allowing classrooms and we're allowing youth groups. And listen, I believe you've got to have a good youth group and you've got to have a great children's ministry. But mom and dad, we can't do what you don't do. Okay? We can teach them about Jesus, but you've got to show them who he is in your everyday life. Amen? 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 Come on. I'm just nudging you a little bit. Bring your kids to youth service today, 530 at the Annex. So what God wants, some of y'all just got that. <laughs> what God wants more than anything is for you and I to trust him. And what Satan wants more than anything else is to cause you to lose faith in God. And so he throws scenarios at you that challenge your faith constantly because he knows that if he puts the right thing that you will quit believing God. And listen, let me just say this because so many people, they create these theories. How many of y'all ever heard of Satanism before? Yeah, some of you are like, oh, I'm never going to participate, like devil worship, you know what I'm saying? Here's the thing, everybody thinks it's all about burning candles and sacrificing animals and stuff. The premise of it all, guess what it is? Selfishness. That's all it is. It's not about a candle, it's not about a pentagram and all that stuff. It's all about self. Come on. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're glorifying self over everything. We've got to shift. We've got to die to self and say, God, you're my foundation. You're the solid rock on which I'm building my life. Amen. And then because I'm built on you, when the storms come, I ain't falling. I'm going to stand. Amen. Amen. All right. So how do I build my faith? Let's jump into this. Okay. And this is something that people talk about a lot because they want to grow in their faith. But I want to be basic with you today. Okay? Can I get basic? And obvious. First thing, if I'm going to build my faith, I have to get in God's Word. Okay? Get you a song. That's great. I like songs. I play music. But the song won't save you. And it won't be long. You'll be tired of that song. Okay? Faith comes from hearing God's Word. Reading it, that is the easiest way to hear it. Listening to it, that's why going to church is so important. There's a difference between hearing it live and hearing it recorded. I think it's great. I listen to podcasts too. I hope you listen to ours if you ain't here. <laughs> but get yourself in church because there is a synergy of faith that takes place. Do you know that there are people in here that's been loaning you faith for a long time? You see them worshiping God, lifting their hands. I know, oh, I don't want to get too close to them, but I'm glad they do that because it inspires me. Seriously, and thank God for them. Seriously, if you're in here and you participate in worship, thank you. Thank you. You set the tone for things happening. I remember there was a kid in my youth group, little Robert, and every week that little man would raise his hand. He was the first one to respond to any kind of altar call, any kind of ministry you have. He was always the first person. And I remember people would try to tell little Robert, you need to stop that. And made him feel bad. I said, little Robert, come here. You have a ministry that you are doing. Because you are breaking the ice for people who are afraid to go first. And there are people, listen, I believe this firmly. There are people in the kingdom of God today that are serving Jesus because little Robert went first. I'm serious. Thank God for that little man. You never know how God can use you and in what way. It may not even be in the description book. Get in God's words. Watch this. Get in the Bible. Get in God's word so God's word can get into you. Read the Bible. 
so that the Bible can begin to read you. Are you grabbing this? See, there's, there's a lot of times we're not getting in God's word, and what we're doing is we're grabbing little verses to put on the fridge, and it's like fortune cookies. And we don't even understand the whole context of those verses, and we're trying to build our lives out of context. And it becomes wishful thinking rather than faith. Amen? Some of y'all like that, some of y'all don't. Okay, here's the second thing. I think you got to get in God's word, but I think you need to get around some believers. You got to get around, watch this, believers, people who believe God can and believe God will. Not just people who have a faith system. Get around some believers. I'm not talking about isolationism. That is not at all what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is that you've got to have a circle that can help you believe God no matter what life throws at you. Amen? This is how you get your faith focused. Get in God's word and get around some believers. You become like the people you're around. I know some people, they start hanging around cowboys, got zero cowboy in them. None. Negative. City slickers. They get around a bunch of cowboys. Next thing you know, they're wearing Wranglers. Wearing ropers. Square toe. Look ridiculous. Kind of like that Sam Hunt guy. Anyway, back to the mess. Oh, oh. Don't like him. We need to get around the influence of believers, people who believe God. That doesn't mean I cut off unbelievers. It just means I don't let them influence my belief. Now, if you do struggle with the circle that you're in, you may need to make some changes. You may need to make some changes. Because you got to ask yourself, because I know people who are like loyal to the end of the day. And you don't want to burn any bridges. You don't want to lose any relationships. But we don't want to lose you. You don't want to lose you on account of a few friends who aren't willing to take steps in the direction that most of the time they know they need to take. By the way, that is called rebellion. Woo! Welcome to the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Okay. This is why I say people need the church. Because we're better together. There is no hunkering down. There is no I'm getting on by myself. It's all about us standing together and believing God. That's what it's all about. Here's the next thing. I believe you need to get under some spiritual leadership. I'm not power tripping because I'm still under spiritual leadership. Okay? There's so much wisdom in this. But because of misuse of authority, we often discount these kinds of things. See, I believe that the blessing on my life comes from above. So it's not what I'm over that blesses me, but it's who I'm under. This is such a revelation because there's a lot of people who are more into picking churches than following somebody they need to be leading. Because when they pick a church, it leaves all their option open and it comes from an angle of consumerism rather than who do I need to be following, which puts us in a place of commitment. What did Jesus say? He said, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. The next person that wrote two-thirds of your New Testament, what did he say? This is Paul the Apostle. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what he was saying. This isn't power tripping. This is called order. And this is why a lot of people's lives are out of order is because they reject any type of authority. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. 
And this isn't about telling people what to do. It's about helping them stay on track. See, we like friends, but your friends can only see as far as you do. But when you have some good oversight in your life, they can see over the issue that you're facing. And a lot of times we reject the oversight that we need because we got all these friends that just make us feel comfortable where we're at. Thank you so much for being there for me. And that's great, but I need you to help me get where God's going. And I think it takes some spiritual oversight to help us take some steps that we wouldn't normally take. And I learned this from my pastor. When he came to me and said, I want to challenge you to take a step, I knew that was a God direction. Because I don't know what would make him want to do that other than the Lord. Seriously. And every time it was like, I know God's leading him. I know God's leading me. I can't just sit here and act like, oh, that ain't for me. And every step that he challenged me to led me further and further into what God had for me. It wasn't one of those, let me pray about it and see. I'm just telling you my story. It wasn't one of those, let me pray about it and see. It was, God, I understand that you work through order. And if you have this man over me that's given me some direction, I'm going to trust you by following him. And if he's wrong, you will deal with him. And you will give me the grace to clean up all the mess. And can I tell you, it hasn't been wrong. It's been right. Amen? Let's go on to the last one. Number four, get on a firm foundation. A foundation is what you build on. We build our lives what we believe. Okay? We believe God, so we build our lives on him. Here's where I want to close. When you look at this story, it took faith for this man to follow Jesus. He had to believe before he could see. And when it comes to sight, it's the ability, watch this, to see something. I told you it was going to be obvious. It's the ability to see something. And I believe God wants to give us vision, but not just for the ability to see things, but the ability to see him. See, when Jesus spit in the man's eyes, the first thing he saw was people. And oftentimes, that's what our focus is on, other people. What are they going to think? In fact, that's been the hindrance for so many people here. What will people think if I commit completely? What will people think? And I, I can I mess with the men a little bit? What will people think if I lift my hands in a church service? What will people think if I commit wholeheartedly? What will people think if I make Sunday church a priority in my life? What will people think? Watch this. Some of you, small groups are coming up. What will people think about me if I tried to lead a small group? And it's been three years that you've been thinking about what people think. And it's time for you to take the step. See, it's called a faith step. The ability to see. What is it for? So I can see him. And it's not just what you see, but how you see him that determines what you believe about him. I'm giving you a sneak peek to that sermon one day coming. Some see him as a judge. God never wanted to be a judge. But because of our sins, guess what? He had to be a judge. He didn't want to be that. Our sin forced him to be a judge. Some see him as a king, and it's all about serving. And listen, I, lo I love the heart of a servant, but it's serving because I owe. It's serving because if I don't, then I'm not saved. 
And can I tell you this? God never wanted to be a king. It was the children of Israel that, got, that asked God for a king. Go read in 1 Samuel. He didn't want to be a king. That's the first time God was ever mentioned as a king was in 1 Samuel. Man wanted him to be just like all the other kings of these other nations. So they asked God to be a king. That's how they saw him. So that's how they served him. But God's intent all along, watch this, is it was for you and I to see him as a father. No wonder why fatherlessness is the most common trend in crime and personal breakdown. And all the statistics that we're trying to solve, go look at it. The root of a lot of it is found in fatherlessness. People without a father. The enemy knew that if I can get them to get away from dad, if I can interfere in relationships between fathers and sons, this ain't a Father's Day message. This is about how we see the father. Think about the end of the Old Testament, turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children and the children towards the fathers. That was more than just my sons and my daughter looking at me and me looking at them. This is how we see God. And we don't see God as father. And so we don't ask God for things the way a son should ask his father or the way a daughter should ask their father. We don't behave ourselves like, like children of God. And we take full advantage of the grace of God because we understand how all this teaching can work to fit our needs instead of benefiting the relationship between me and him. How do you see him today? Because that's going to determine how you believe him. I want you to know this. Your father is literally sitting at a table. You see, he's not sitting on a throne as a king. That's what we picture him as. But really, read it. We, we used it last year as our thing. He is that man that says, hey, my table, I want it full. Go and invite them to come and sit at my table. Doesn't take away the fact that he is a judge. Doesn't take away the fact that he's a king. But what does it do? It says that my father, he can have the occupation as a judge. He can have the occupation as a king. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is he is a father. Do you see him that way today? Do you see him that way? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Because today, like we said, this is the brand new start for you. And some of you, there's an end that needs to take place. And the end is no longer living my life that way. No longer living my life to please myself. No longer making decisions that's all about me and doing what I want. But making the decision to truly surrender and follow God and live my life His way all the way. See, there's a lot of people who want to be saved and still tolerate other areas of sin in their life because it relates culturally. But God's like, that is not the plan. That is not the way. And today it's time for full surrender. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Wade, I feel the Holy Spirit drawing me and I must surrender my life to Jesus, I want you to lift a hand right now. There is no waiting. It is time to surrender completely. Anyone else, maybe you're a young person in here and you just, even at an early age, you can sense the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus. Anyone else in here? Maybe you're that man I was talking to earlier and you know I have to surrender to God. No longer playing games, no longer riding on the fence, but it's time to commit my life to the Lord. Anyone else? I've seen several hands. Anyone else today say, I'm surrendering all to Jesus? Anyone else? Amen. Let's pray this prayer all together out loud as a church. I love this part of the service. No one's excluded. Believe this in faith as we pray. Say, dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to the cross to die for my sins to take the punishment 
for the way I've been thinking, the decisions I've been making, and the way I've been living. Today I choose to put my faith and build my life on you, Jesus. I surrender all to you. And I confess now, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, but you're my Father. And I am your child. And I dedicate my life to pleasing you. I trust your plans. I'm following you. In Jesus' name, amen.